Welcome to Express Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are a ministry of Arizona Message Ministry, the message to the number two dot US. We are supported financially by HaribouBooks.com. Make sure you go on there, buy some of the books that are there, donate them to your school, donate them to your church, donate them to your library so we can get the message of hope and the message of encouragement out. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for opening your house to us for the Express Church Experience, joining us in your car, at your job, during your exercise time, or wherever you receive the Express Church Experience. We're just excited that you came to join us. Join us uh, for an opportunity to praise and worship God. We're thankful uh, that God has stepped in, and for those that haven't uh, heard, Marla had coronavirus. We've been in quarantine for two weeks. Uh, Our two weeks are coming up. We ask that uh, you continue to keep us in your prayers. And we thank you for all the prayers and well wishes that we receive. And we pray for health and safety for you and anybody that's been affected by coronavirus. We ask that um, those who... um, those who have been uh, in the situation where you are affected by this, that you too will be able to experience the glory of God. We've been having some very significant technical difficulties here today. My mother who comes on FaceTime, uh, somehow she's not been able to come on, so we're gonna try to bring her on again. November 1st. We're in November 1st. Two weeks, I mean two months, and the infamous 2020 is going to be over. The infamous 2020. I guess uh, 2020 is not going to just allow us to move out smoothly. It wants to put glitches in the Express Church experience, mess with our technology, but God's word can't be chained. That's what we stated when we first started back in March. And when people couldn't go to ch- go into the church buildings and we, we started the Express Church Experience to bring it to you. We said God's word cannot be chained. Even though church buildings are closed, God's word can still go out, go out through technology. And now the technology was trying to glitch on us today, but through the, the work of Jeff and we thank him and Blue Exit Audio for allowing us to, to be able to work through those bugs and be able to come to you. November. Another important thing about November is this is the month that we are going to have elections. And it's November 1st today. The elections will be in a couple of days. And when I was thinking about this election season and all the commercials and everything that's going on, it reminded me of a speech that I gave in 2004. In 2004, I just arrived to Arizona, didn't know very many people, maybe five, six people. And I met this pastor, and the pastor invited me to a lunch at the Phoenix Country Club. And I was happy to be able to to meet different people, go to the country club, get a good meal. So I headed down to the country club, and as I was coming to the door, one of the people said, Reverend Zachary, are you Reverend Zachary? And I was thinking, this is great that people think so much of me that they actually are greeting me by name at the door. 
And then one of the people started talking about where I was going to sit. And I was like, wow, I, I actually get to see a good seat uh, in, the, in the luncheon. They had a special seat for me. Maybe that's where all the reverends and ministers and dignitaries sat. And then he said, uh, and this is when the order in which you're going to speak. At that point, I was like, what? What do you mean? I, I just thought I was coming for the free lunch. And apparently what happened is the pastor who invited me had an emergency and he was supposed to speak but couldn't and he selected me as the person who could speak as his replacement. And he said, with your background, uh, I would be the perfect person to come in and give a presentation. So at that point, I'm trying not to, to sound like I have no idea what's going on, but at that time, I had no idea what was going on. So they told me that the, the, the presentation and the lunch was about religion and politics. And at that time, that's when I came to Arizona to study uh, God's word a little more thoroughly so that I could be in a position because I spent my uh, career in law and a career in politics and a career in business and a career in government. And I found the absence of godly principles in those environments. So I wanted to be able to get the credentials to be able to speak on the issues of incorporating God's principles into law, politics, and business and government. And as the lunch was going on and various different people were speaking and I was trying to figure out what I was going to say, I had no, nothing to, to write a speech on, no paper to pad to, to write any notes. And then my time came. And my time came and I was wondering what to say and I said, walked up to the, to the mic and I said, read the red. Read the red. And I said, how many people know what I'm talking about when I say read the red and nobody raised their hand and I said uh, as we look at the Bible certain Bibles are constructed where the, the paper is white and the lettering is black but then when there's quotes of Jesus those quotations are in red so if you look at the Bible and read the red, you know exactly the words Jesus spoke, the quotations that Jesus had and were recorded by the disciples and the authors and the writers. They put those in red to give special attention, to let you know that our risen Savior spoke those words. And so the message today is simply titled, Read the Red. We have election coming up and people are, are, are on one side and people on the other side and they're trying to declare that their side is the side of righteousness and their side is the side that you have to vote for if you believe in God. My response to them is simply read the red. And the, the reading of today in the Revised Common Lectionary, and I'm going to kind of take a side point, which we've been trying to read out of the, the Revised Common Lectionary so that we can have an opportunity to join Christians around the nation, many who are still quarantined themselves, uh, not being able to go to church, so that we can come together reading a common uh, part of the Bible and join together. This week is a little bit different because the, uh, our Catholic brothers and sisters, they celebrate what's called All Saints Day. And because they celebrate All Saints Day, my understanding is the reading of the common lectionary for All Saints Day comes out of 
Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. My reading in the common lectionary that, that I've been following comes out of Matthew 23. So if we just want to join together, my simple thing is open Matthew and read the red. The, almost the entire Beatitudes is quotes from Jesus in, in red. Almost all of Matthew 23 is quotes from Jesus written in red. Those two, as if you're preparing and haven't voted yet, or you're trying to think about what this election means from a spiritual and a religious standpoint, my thought is you just read the red. And as we get the scene to Matthew 23, with, uh, it starts just to kind of get the feel so we can walk with Jesus as he was walking. He was on his way to Jerusalem. And in Matthew 21, a couple of chapters before, Jesus is talking about faith. And Jesus said, you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. You will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Read the red. As we get near the election night, half the people of the United States say the country will be destroyed if their candidate won't win. The other half says if our candidate doesn't win, the United States will be destroyed. I say read the red. If you believe, you, re you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. But that prayer must be in line with the will of God. And what I believe is in line with the will of God, you can now I'm going to step a little bit outside the Bible and give you my own personal opinion, my own personal opinion of what I believe God wants. And the prayer that we should be lifting up to him for our nation is that we become a nation that follows our creed. I, be, I keep saying that. It's something that I'm, I'm trying to get myself to believe and myself to live by. Our creed that says we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I, I look at the creed and say that is the creed that we want to stand by, but a goal that we have never attained. It is a creed we want to stand by, but it's a goal as the nation we have never arrived. So my prayer this election night is whoever wins, that God's people, the people that God spoke about in 2 Chronicles 7, uh, verse 14 and 15, when God said, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, I'm going to stop. We had a whole lot of folks, uh, godly folks on the right and a whole lot of godly folks on the left standing up, being proud on their position, standing strong. But God's holy word says, if, my, if the people who call me by my name humble themselves, that's the first step in receiving the prayers that we believe God, we believe that we want God to bring to our nation. Humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now, then God says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in that place. See, what Jesus said, you can get everything that you ask for in prayer. But God's holy word says there's some steps that you need to take as a people who, who, are, who, call, Jesus, who call Jesus their Lord and Savior. Call God by name. 
there's some steps that have to be taken. There has to be a step of humility. There has to be a step of prayer. There has to be a step of seeking God. There has to be a step of turning from wicked ways before we can ask God to heal our land, no matter who gets elected. When I read God's holy word and I focus on this election, uh, I think we are having a read the red moment. We are having a read the red moment. And our only worry and our only prayer should be that God's people follow 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and 15. That God's people focus in and read the red and believe what Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior said. When he, when he uh, received, said you will receive anything you ask for in prayer. I believe what we need to ask for is a healthy nation, a unified nation, a nation that seeks God, a nation that, that exercises humility, a nation whose song will be, blessed is the nation whose God is, is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees, the, he sees all humanity from his dwelling place. He watches all who, are li who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do. And that's Psalm 33, 10 through 15. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, we, whose people he chose for his, his inheritance. That's what I think we should be as a people. And I believe that this election season is, is an opportunity for us as a nation to put aside our division and put aside our dissension and put aside our anger and put aside our hatred and come together, even with the people that you disagree politically. That's one thing that I've put on my, myself is to go to some of the pastors that I agree, disagree with politically and ask them to, let, to, to speak with me, to sit down and pray that we can be the ones that begin to lead the nation, people on different sides, but, but brothers in Christ in fellowship with each other. And I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing. I don't know if there's anybody who can't find somebody who's on the other side of the political spectrum to be able to go and say, I know you're on the, the other side of the political spectrum. But I know the one thing that we have in common, the one thing that, that we are all united in, is that is our belief in Christ Jesus. And let's pray together that our nation accepts that creed, no matter who wins. We then are that type of people and that type of nation. And I think if that's the case, then we are gonna be a nation that finally reaches that ultimate glorious, beautiful goal of being one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all. I believe that God will bring blessings if we decide that we want to be a nation that looks at each other with love and fellowship in the name of Jesus. I got a little off track. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through the time. I might have to ask Jeff to, to give me a little extra time because now I want to get back to where I was going to, the, the journey to Matthew 23. Jesus, uh, Matthew 21, 23 says, Jesus entered the temple courts and while he was teaching, the chief priest and the elders of the people came to him. So the scene where Matthew 23 occurred was in the Jerusalem temple, arguably the most holy place 
in all the earth at that time. At least the people who went there believed that was the case. The place where God dwelled in the holies of holy was in the Jerusalem temple at that time. The place where God's people took pil pilgrimages to be near his people, to be near God, to bring their offerings and their sacrifices to the Lord. In Jesus' time at the Jerusalem temple, God's presence happened in the most glorious splendor at the Jerusalem temple. And I hope this morning that you can feel yourself being transported to the Jerusalem temple. And it says that Jesus was in the temple court and the temple court surrounded the inner sanctum of the temple. And the temple court, some people refer to as the court of the Gentiles. And it was referred to the court of the Gentiles because in that court, anyone could enter. It was the most outer space of the entire temple and it was the largest spot of any part of the temple. And the, the outer court is where people who were poor sought help, where the people who were sick sought help. Acts 3 kind of gives you a good example of what the outer court of the temple was like. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for, from those going into the temple courts when he saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for money. So that's what was going on at the temple court. At the temple court, uh, with the historical context of Mark 23, 1 and 2, Jesus was there getting ready to speak to a crowd, a crowd with all types of people. There were beggars. There were scam artists trying to act like they were begging to get free money. There were people exploiting the goodwill of people. There were those who were in need. There were crowds of every type of people. The poor were there. The sick seeking blessings were there. The hopeless who had no place else to go to find Jesus, find the glory of God flowing down on them. They were there in the temple court. Crowds of all types of people were in the temple court when Jesus got there to speak in Matthew 23. Crowds of every type of people there were good church-going people. There were people who, who received God's blessings of great wealth, prosperity, and health. Those are the people today who we may even call the rich and the famous. At the temple court, when Jesus arrived, there were all types of people. There were people, maybe I think with myself, there might even been some politicians there getting ready for election night, trying to woo the people, canvassers, and, and, and phone bank workers trying to get the person to, that are in the temple court to vote for their candidate, saying that if, if you wanna be holy, if you wanna be righteous, you need to vote for our candidate. There were all types of people. There were what it was called maybe the religious right. Now I'm not talking about politically right. I'm talking about when I say religious right, the people who, who question Jesus' authority believe they were right. So when I refer to the religious right, I'm going to also call it the religiously correct in their mind. That's what was going on when Jesus sat at the temple court. He didn't go into the, the actual sanctuary in the sanctum of the temple. He stood outside. He stood outside where the impure sat. He sat outside where the beggar sat. He sat outside where the, where the poor sat. He sat outside where the, where the sick sat. 
He sat outside where the Gentiles sat at the temple uh, gates. Jesus was speaking to the average person, the people who needed to find the Lord, who needed to find their way to faith. Jesus was talking to the unchurched, the spiritually lost, those who are speaking, seeking spiritual direction. And that gets us to Matthew 23 verses one and four and and Matthew 23 one and four then Jesus said to the crowds and the disciples the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses seat now I'm going to stop there for a second just to kind of let us know what was what Matthew was saying the teachers of the law the uh, Pharisees those the what I call the religious writer the religious correct depending on how you want to define it they sat in the seat of Moses and we know that Moses came down with the law of God from Mount Sinai and he gave delivered the law and what God wanted to, to hear the, have the people here came through Moses and they had a seat that was designated in the synagogue called the Moses seat and that's where the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sat and they told people, this is what God wants. They probably said, if you don't vote for our candidate, then you are not a good godly person. I'll be surprised if they didn't use that opportunity. So they sat at the Moses seat and then Jesus said, so you must obey them and do them and do everything they tell you. But then this is the critical piece that Jesus said. But do not do what they do. I put that in bold. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. I know almost everybody's heard that old saying saying, practice what you preach. Well, Jesus Christ in the, in the temple court was telling the people that the, the religious right, the religious correct, were not practicing what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They sat in Moses' seat. Jesus was, was, gave, gave the instruction, do what, they, do what they say, listen to the word of God that they recite, but don't act like they act. They, they put a heavy load on people God's word says that they, that they weren't the type of people that were looking to help anybody else. They were looking to love themselves. They were loving the power position they have. They were loving the status that they were having. They were loving the fact that those admired them and looked up to them and, and accepted their position and their status. But the, I, I said that they probably the same people who would walk by the beggar the same people who would look down on the needy, the people that would use God's house for their personal gain. In the temple court, Jesus found men selling cattle, sheep, and dove, and others sitting at tables and exchanging money. That happened at the temple court, recorded by John in John chapter two, verses 14. I'm hoping that you get a, a good feel and a good understanding of the religiously correct in Jesus' time. And I'm wondering how many people who look at the church today and are looking for a church home and wanna be in fellowship with Jesus around people who, have, who are like-minded do not go to church or leave a church because there's too many judgmental people. If you look at 
all the surveys and studies on why people leave church or why people won't join a church, the number one reason is there's too many judgmental people. I say there's too many people who ignored or refused to read the red. Because if you read the red, you see that Jesus uh, was co condemning those folks who were exercising hypocrisy. I got into a debate and I'm gonna leave this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spit it out and I'm gonna let it just lay down and let everybody discuss it for themselves. Somebody said, the worst sin that the United States of America or anybody who's voting this year can do is vote for a candidate who does not oppose the killing of an unborn child. I said, I think that that is a horrible sin, but I think the worst sin that our country can make is that we engage in hypocrisy in the name of Jesus Christ. Because when you, when you engage in hypocrisy in the name of Jesus, you are then making Jesus out to be a liar. You're saying that the word of God, you're, you're doing just like Jesus said. Listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. If, you, if people are looking to God's people, the people who profess to be children of God, and they're saying, if that's how, how godly people act, I don't want to be around them. And when they don't want to be around them, that's when Jesus was saying, there's a heavy load put on them. There's a heavy load put on you when you turn away from Jesus Christ. That load gets lighter when you get near Jesus. How light does it get? Jesus himself. Oh, man, I think today, if you're listening in, we're going to read the red. Jesus said, Bring, come, to the, come to me, all who are heavy, are burdened and heavy laden, for I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Jesus is saying, if you come to him, all the burdens that you have will, will become light if you know who I am. But because of the hypocrites that Jesus was talking to when he was when on the temple court that still exists today, they put the heavy burden on them because they don't know how to find Jesus because what they see in Jesus is the hypocrites who are talking about him but then are doing something different. What does that look like? At dawn, Jesus appeared to the temple courts where all the people were gathered. There's things that happen at the temple court. I wish that the temple court was going on today. People were gathering and they sat down and the teachers of the law and Pharisee hear the religious rites show up again. They, they bring a woman who was called in adultery and they said they made her stand before the entire group. They wanted to point out how bad this lady was. And they, they asked Jesus, they said, teacher, this woman was caught in an act of adultery. The law of Moses commands us to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? Because we're the religious right. And the religious right stand up with great righteousness and we wanna condemn this woman who was a sinner. I don't know if, you're, if, if you listen to this today and you have not been to church and you don't go to church because you say there's too many hypocrites, I want you to look at John 8, verses 2 and 5. I want you to put yourself in the temple court, standing next to our risen Savior, listening to his response to the, to the hypocrites, the religious rites, those people who sat in the Moses seat, claiming that they are the authority on God's word and that you must follow them. This is what Jesus did. He kneeled down 
started writing in the sand. And as he was writing down on the dirt in the, in the temple court, people started walking away. And after he, he wrote and wrote, he looked up. And all that was left was the lady standing in front of him. All the accusers were gone. And then, but she was still standing there because Jesus never answered the question. The question that the, the accuser said is the law of Moses requires us to stone her. What do you say? She's still standing there waiting for Jesus to answer the question. Everybody else understood the answer to the question. The answer to the question when Jesus was writing in the dirt, uh, I know one, one minister said he was writing dates down. I know if you write some dates down whether well, you were doing some dirt yourself, you were trying to do some things in darkness that you shouldn't have been. You were trying to be at some places you, weren't gonna, you weren't, shouldn't have been in. Some of the people might have been visiting the same lady. Oh, I don't know what would happen to you if you wrote down some things, if Jesus wrote down some things in the, in the sand. I have a couple roommates that I had in college. I said it, if Jesus wrote down Warren Street, that's all he would have to write down. And I think all the, the, the roommates would kind of walk away. Don't want, we don't want anything else written about that. We call it the code of 303. Jesus know, knows what happened in, in Warren Street 303. I think that, that we should now look at ourselves, look at Jesus writing in the sand, writing things that you've done as you're condemning somebody else, as you're condemning the woman who's struggling, whether to keep a child or not. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be sitting there saying you, you should be stoned just like the lady. Instead, what we should be doing is we should be looking at her saying we, we are all sin and fallen short of the grace of God. But by the, by the wonder, the blood of Jesus and the resurrection, by his greatness and his glory, we have been redeemed. We haven't been redeemed by the re because of the religious right. We haven't been redeemed because we believe in the religious right. We have been redeemed because we believe in Christ Jesus and the resurrection that comes from him only. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and live, leave your life of sin. That is how we're supposed to approach. That is how, what is supposed to happen. I'm looking at some people who want to condemn those that don't believe and stand up for the first and the second amendment. They say that you can't have a candidate that doesn't stand up for the freedom of religion. So I can do religion the way I want to. But I see too many of those people. I haven't heard them talking about the fourth amendment, the fifth amendment, the sixth amendment, or the Eighth Amendment. The Eighth Amendment is a prohibition against cruel and unusual punishment. We have one side saying that the candidate has joined up with the Chinese. We have another one that says the candidate has joined up with the Russians. Well, what I know is the United States of America incarcerates more people than almost both of those two nations combined, even though we are supposed to be the nation of God, the nation of, of liberty, the nation of, of uh, freedom and liberty and justice for all. I wonder how many people, if you ask them to sit on the Moses seat, would then be able to say, I stand up against the mass incarceration of people. I stand up against using prison population to, to, for free labor. 
for private industry. I'm just going to go a little bit political because I read the red. But you, Matthew 23, 23 says, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. See, we have, we have now as a country, and now I'm going to step out of, of the, and give you my position. And my position might be tainted because it's based on 45 years of being involved in the criminal justice system of the United States of America, which professes to be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. That same nation I, I have seen for the, for the 45 years I've been involved being a nation that does not dispense justice justly. I want everybody to hear that. We are a nation that doesn't dispense justice justly. But I don't hear the voices of those who could stand up and say God's holy word. I read the red. And the, when you read the red, you want to be, people to be just, judged justly. You want the adulteress to be judged just like the, the religious leaders whose names and dates and activities were written in the dirt. You want that person to be judged the same way. But we live in a society that says we need to be, we're, we're, we're if we believe in a certain philosophy that we're better than everybody else. I'm looking at over the course of 45 years, I've been involved in, in at least 10,000 cases over that period of time. And in that case, in that time, there's certain uh, periods where they, uh, there's cases that, that remain in your mind and even certain, certain circumstances, but you may not be in a situation where you even remember the name. I remember this one case. This guy was charged with a crime. It was early on in my career. It was in the 80s. And I was representing this young man. He was somewhere around 18 or 19 years old. And he was charged with a crime. Now, I want, I want to speak for a second to all my friends in the religious right, all my First Amendment, all my Second Amendment people. I'm hoping that you hear the voice of this young man over 30 years ago when, he sat, when I sat with him. And he said, I didn't do what they said I did. I didn't do it. And I said, if you go to trial and you're not, and you don't win, you're going to go to prison. I sat there and looked at him. I don't know how many of my pastoral friends who, who sit on Moses' seat have sat in my seat where you look at the man. And he said, I didn't do it. The police planted the evidence. I didn't do it. I said, you can go to trial and we could try to, you can get on the stand and we can try to explain that you didn't do it. You'll have a jury. You're an 18 year old young black man and it's between your word and the police word. Who do you think the jury's gonna believe? He said, I didn't do it. But, but what's the options I have? The options that he had were to go to trial, hope he wins, hope liberty and justice would prevail. 
or he had an opportunity to let the court decide his fate. If he agreed on that option, he would get probation with no jail or no prison. He said, I want to go home. He's like, this isn't my business. This is your business. So he got in front of the judge. The judge said, what do you want to do? He said, judge, I plead business. To this day, 30 some years later, I remember that statement like it happened yesterday. I plead business. Judge looked at him shocked. What do you mean? This is your business and your business is trying to get me to go to prison. But my only option is to allow myself to plead guilty and I can go home and handle my business, which is my business of taking care of my house. I'm hoping that you feel yourself at the temple court, listening to the great words of our Lord and Savior when he wrote in the sand about the justice that should happen. So it went back and forth and finally the judge allowed him to plead no contest, which means that he didn't contest the facts that the state brought. And the judge said, we, I, based on what I find, I gotta find you guilty. You're 18 years old. You now have a felony conviction. Good luck trying to find a job. But the one thing is today, you get to go home. But you have neglected the more important matters of law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. When I look at, at the, when we start reading the red and we start looking at what Jesus' word says, when we start, and we start lining ourselves up with what is going on in the United States of America, and, and then we want to say, you have to, if you're religious, you have to vote a certain way. I'm hoping that our society then gets to the position where we say, it's not all about me. I want to, I'm hoping the United States of America gets to what I call Acts 2. Acts 2. And in Acts 2, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sell, sell, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Remember that Jesus got to the temple courts. On his way, he said, pray for whatever you need and mountains will, will go away. He got to the temple court. And when he was in the temple court, he was there and he said that, uh, ma'am, you were committed. There was nobody condemning you. Either do I condemn you. He got to the temple court. He said, don't do like the religious leaders do. The religious leaders, they're in a position where they sit on Moses' seat. Then after Jesus rose from the dead, went back to heaven in glory, his followers were at the temple court again. And what they sold everything they had to make sure anybody in need had something. I'm wondering if the people who are voting on either side on, on Tuesday, election day, would sit in the position at the temple court like the followers of Jesus and say, I have great prosperity. I want to find out who at the temple court is in need. I want to go out and find that person and give them what they, what they uh, need. I'm wondering how we can say that when the biggest thing that we talk about in our politics is cutting taxes so that each house can have more money. Now, I'm hoping that the reason why we want to do that is take the money from government and give to God's people so that they can sell the possessions 
and goods that they gave to anyone who was in need. So if you see somebody that says, I want to reduce my taxes, ask them if that's their purpose. If that's their mission to purpose so that they have more money so that they can be an Acts 2, 44 through 47 Christian and be among the believers and that had everything in common, selling all their possessions and goods that they gave that they give so that no one is in need. I hope that we can tell them that there's a situation that if you read the red, there was a rich man who said, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, sell all your belongings. The rich man looked at him and walked away because he wasn't ready to give up his own personal wealth, his own personal status to be the, the least in order to serve and be the greatest. This election day, I gave a speech to this. This election day reminds me of the speech I gave in 2004. In 2004, it still uh, exists today. We have people on both sides who are trying to hijack faith trying to hijack Christianity, trying to say that their position is the only one that's right. And, I'm, and I just have one thing to say to the group like that. That is this, read the red. Read the red and make your decisions on your life based on how you fit into the word of God, speaking directly through Jesus Christ himself. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you to all our guests. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Stephen Zachary Minister Gilbert, the Arizona Message Ministry on Facebook. And feel free to send me an email to the message2.us or to my private website, stephenzachary.com. Thank you to Haribo Books for supporting us. That's haribobooks.com. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks.